I so yeah, I'm tethering. My Wi-Fi's down. It's been going down the last couple of days, which is so catastrophic in a work from home scenario. It's I mean, it's like that's a critical what do you call it? <laughs> Dependency, right? Yeah, yeah. It's and I've seen other people have it where they have they're like, Oh, my Wi-Fi's out and they're like all afternoon it seems like they're driving around or something trying to find a place to like park <laughs> but um so the other <laughs> the other day i had a day off i had to take my cat to the kid dental cleaning essential yeah essential she did great so no one has to worry she got brushed while she was under which was in some ways my main motivation <laughs> any teeth removed nope no extractions she did great. The dentist is so good at, or not the, the vet is so good at being like, she was wonderful. You know, like <laughs> they always say like such nice stuff about your cat. It's like, she's doing so great. She was so like, so happy. Although it was funny too, because um, she on the way home, like, or like not like the dentist was like, okay, she's going to be groggy. And like, you're probably not going to want to feed her that much. Like she, cause the antibiotics or whatever will like mess with her tummy. We got home and she was totally fine. And she was like, so hungry. <laughs> it was just like yelling for food. Oh. So I ended up feeding her like twice as much as usual. <laughs> <laughs> and there was no like vomiting all over the place. No, she was totally fine. I was like, wow, we're going to do this again next year. Um, <laughs> But um, anyway, so I rented a car and I was like, I'm because I had to drop her off like at seven and then pick her up at four. So I was like, okay, I'll just get a car for the day. And I was like, I'm taking the day off and I'm going to drive to the place where we can get haircuts. (laughs) So it's like Napa County, which is not, it's like an hour away. They still had like hairdressers and stuff open. Uh, uh And so I like planned a whole day. I was like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to go to the grocery up there. I'm going to get a haircut and I'm going to get a massage, which was like, oh my God, that's huge. Um, <laughs> and so, but then on the, like the day before I was meeting with someone and they're like, oh yeah, that, that presentation's tomorrow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, like I, they did, they forgot to like invite me to the event. And then oh, I just no. hadn't noticed. Yeah. So it was like at 9am. So I was like, okay, I have like these critical things scheduled. I cannot get out of it, but I also really wanted to do the presentation because, you know, just for lots of strategic reasons. And um, so I literally, so I was like, okay, I can do it. I worked with someone to see if we could find office rental, which like obviously you cannot right now. Yeah. Um, and so I literally just set up shop in like a parking lot near where I was getting my hair cut. <laughs> And like you had like your remote remote office, right? My remote office was like the back of a rental car, <laughs> <laughs> and I like tethered, and I set up the Zoom background, you know. And actually, cars have really good lighting, so like I looked awesome, you know. <laughs> I like, and because I got up so early, I was like doing my makeup in the car, you know. I was like right. getting ready, <laughs> and like it actually worked great, like it the the wi-fi or the the tether was like more than sufficient and like i was able to just like give this presentation and no one knew that i was in the back of my car in like a great clips parking lot (laughs) (laughs) wait so you wait i'm just curious where did you sit in the car in the back seat okay okay so i set up like long wise so i i had like this like one of those old lady shopping carts so i kind of like set up my computer on top of that 
And then I point like I was sitting on the other side, and I had to kind of like sit on top of the cart, sort of. Like it was like so awkward. But... Oh, yeah. Okay. And then I had to like gesture really small because if I got too big, like the the background would like you know because it's not like a green screen, so the zoom like background thing isn't perfect. Right. Yeah. And so I had to like make sure not to gesture too much so you couldn't like start to see like that's a weird background yeah. behind her <laughs> it looks a lot like the inside of a car <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yeah that was uh that was my adventure in tethering this week you were like wildcatting out there you know and it was like you're just like you got like your your t- phone and like <laughs> No, it was like it was like the new era. Some of the, I I told this story to someone and they're like, yeah, I saw someone like giving a presentation from their car with like their like baby strapped in the back seat. <laughs> yeah, in the car seat. <laughs> yeah, and they had to like go back at one point to like take care of the kid a little. <laughs> it's just like yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's only gonna yeah, get more it. like that, not less. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was at first I was panicked and then I was just like. Whatever. Like, <laughs> not the end of the world. Like, <laughs> but it was, it was a presentation of like a hundred people. Like this wasn't like small. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, and yeah. So, as but it went. Yeah. So anyway, and also, I mean, for listeners, we're bringing this up because I'm tethered right now. My Wi-Fi is just down. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure this will work because let me tell you about this other scenario. <laughs> Wait, you said wildcatting? Is that like a word? That's a phrase? It's a it's a phrase from like the oil and gas industry where mm. people would just go out into like random fields and start drilling to hoping to like <laughs> find oil, you know? And, and it's very much like a cowboy kind of like we're going out there and like, you know. <laughs> we're just <laughs> See what heading happens. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was kind of. The other thing that I was really concerned about was because like Napa doesn't get the same like San Francisco is always like 60s, 70s. Like right now, it's it's like kind of cold out. Yeah. And um, but Napa is like normal summer weather, so it was like in the 90s that day. So I like, I mean, it was still early enough that in the shade was. So I was in the shade for a long time with the windows down, trying to keep the car cool. And then I just like turned on the car. I went back to like where the good lighting was, and then I turned on the car and just like blasted the AC because I was really worried that my computer was going to overheat. Right. Yeah. And then like the microphone, you know, you can't hear it over the fans. Um, and I didn't. I didn't think to bring like my podcast mic, <laughs> <laughs> like little travel mic stand, and <laughs> so blasted the ac until right before and then i like turned off the car so it'd be quiet enough and like it was about 10 minutes so i was like crossing my fingers that it wouldn't get too hot <laughs> wow there yeah this is like a, a, a like a careful ballet of timing and uh yeah like i think a lot of people like someone else in the presentation was just like in her backyard and she had to show up late because like her dog went crazy or something you know so <laughs> yeah i think i was maybe over that i was like a visitor you know like i was like a special guest to another org and so i don't know i wanted to like show my a game you know also if you're a presenter there's like a different standard than if you're just sitting in the audience right i think no this was a presenter oh okay was like... <laughs> But she was like a more, I don't know, like a more frequent, you know, she felt more secure in her status as like someone to listen to, right? Understood. Whereas yeah. I was like, the, you know, this is like my first foray into like the marketing org, you know? You're an interloper. 
as an interview. <laughs> so yeah, it was not ideal. I would say the day overall, like I'm so tired afterwards, like the next day, because it was just so much activity. But yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, you can do it too. Present from your backseat of your car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing presentations these days, I have to say. Yeah, me neither. I just did like a meetup kind of panel thing. But other than that, yeah. I had an e-conference earlier that was like just it was already it was going to be it was the ECOTS like oh yeah so yeah like ICOTS is the like, international conference on teaching statistics and then ECOTS they like already would have every other year and it's like the electronic conference on teaching statistics so I was scheduled to give a talk uh for that way before the pandemic so I gave like a remote talk then which are it's like it's kind of fun because you just get to like talk for an hour and like kind of follow whatever train of thought. Like, there's more liberty to just kind of, like, ramble on whatever you want to ramble on. <laughs> exactly, because there's no, like, reactions to, like, feed off of. Yeah, exactly. You're not like, ooh, that's not going. Let me get to the next part. Or, right. Like, yeah, people are really responding. It's just like, oh, I have no clue. <laughs> I feel like talking about this. It feels like podcasting, actually. Yeah, yeah. Although there's not someone else there. <laughs> it's like, I guess for solo podcasters, which seems hard. Like, I don't understand how people do that. But I mean, obviously, a lot of people do. But there are like just talking by yourself seems weird. Yeah. I listen to that that bad movie podcast every other week. It's like a mini episode, they call it. And it's just one of the hosts. But he he like will read fan letters and stuff, you know, so he like builds in interaction, even though. Right. Yeah. There's not as much. So but um. But yeah, what was I saying? Pod oh, so yeah, I don't have any. I and I don't have anything else booked now, and it's like I don't know if that's normal or if um, if like our conference is not happening, or am I just you know old news? Like <laughs> my time has passed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a good run. I'll, I mean, I have to admit, yeah. Yeah, I had a good. Yeah, had a good run. Um, I'm okay with that. I I don't. I think conferences are generally happening, but. Um, I do think, like, I think, I mean, I don't know how far in advance you get notified at conferences and stuff, but, you know, they typically they get planned, like, maybe six to nine months in advance, right? Mm -hmm. And I think there are a lot of organizations that are still kind of figuring stuff out, you know? Yeah, like, the stuff that was already planned, they're like, no, 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 okay, we gotta go, like, so... Like, USAR just happened, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, and surely those people knew for a long time that it was gonna be they were going to be speakers like long before the pandemic yeah yeah but then um but like if you're planning a conference for let's say i don't know january right now right mm -hmm. like do you know what you're going to do i mean you probably had a venue booked but like are you going to be using it you know it's like i, I guess maybe they figured it out by now i mean i, I just feel know. like even in the last like two weeks like so much has changed you know oh i mean yeah like in the last two weeks like everything changed yeah so yeah. i i think there's a lot of just uh uncertainty in conference planning in general right now but oh it sounds awful because it's like it's already really hard <laughs> <laughs> actually i have to give a jsm talk I, I that reminds me like that's like in a few weeks oh my gosh why are you doing that <laughs> well you know so the joint statistical meetings you have to like they it's organized like a year in advance so like i agreed right. to, i agreed to do this back in september is it an invited did you get was it like a buddy of yours or like how'd you get roped in so <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. So Lucy D'Agostino McGowan organized a session on uh something about 
I don't even remember. Uh, communicating statistics, I think it was what ah. the topic was. Mm-hmm. And it's a good group. It's me. It's uh, Amelia McNamara. It's uh, Stephanie Hicks. It's and um, uh, oh, and uh, Regina. Nuzzo. Yes, Regina yeah. Nuzzo is a like a discussant, like a reporter. Yeah, she's like a a real reporter, right? Uh, well, as opposed to <laughs> us. <laughs> uh, I would. We're not even in the ballpark of reporter, but yeah, um, yeah, she's a like kind of a science journalist. I guess. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm supposed to be. I think I'm supposed to be talking about podcasting. So um, I, I I know I submitted my title and abstract a while back, but um, you can just wing it. It's like it'll be like a podcast. Let's discuss. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'll I'll talk about so I'll, in case Lucy is listening, I'll um, you know, it'll be really organized and planned. Well, I <laughs> that's true. She probably is listening. Sorry, Lucy. Um, Don't stress. <laughs> it'll be good. Don't worry about it. Lucy's had some good Twitter content recently. Like she's been. Well, she, oh, yeah, I was thinking about this as a podcast topic. This is from a couple, a few weeks ago, but she was like, correlation sometimes causation. Or like, no, no, she said, correlation it is not not causation. <laughs> Which is not the same as saying correlation is causation. Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> and she capitalized it such that it was pretty clear and she, you know, it's like not all caps not right <laughs> and uh but it, it kind of generated a funny kind of like spicy thread of like our people like it was funny because i totally got what she meant and i 100 percent agreed like right away i was just like oh totally like people this is such a crutch like people just say it to be kind of like <laughs> i, I want to say blanksters <laughs> podcast friendly okay. but yeah like they they say it to be like to like to just be like eh, maybe not you know did we talk about this because now i'm thinking we might have well but... uh, no no we didn't talk about this specifically yeah mm-hmm. it's like i feel like it's a way for like people with statistical training to just be like kind of like condescending or i don't know it's like it's a way to like be adversarial under the guise of being intellectual yeah exactly it's like a way of i mean it comes right down to our analysis discussions in the past where it's like a way of like bad negotiation (laughs) where you know it's like you're not working together to get to a resolution you're just trying to like sow doubt into what someone is saying and it's like scientific skepticism is good but there's a way to do it and there's a way to like you know and it's not like we have to take care of each other so much. It's like, but there's a way to do it where you you like are like, hey, we both care about the truth. Let's like figure out what the truth is instead of just like, eh, you're wrong. Like, well, I have to. I, I I deal with this a lot, and there's a. And I think people a lot of times, you know, I don't think I think people do this consciously because like sometimes they have an agenda, but um, there's a big difference between saying like if I say X is true, right? Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between saying not x right <laughs> and saying y is true right yeah and most it's super easy to be like x is not true right right uh, but it's obviously very different to be like well i have this competing hypothesis right yeah that's a good point like it's that's way more constructive too where it's like hey yeah uh, yeah and also it's testable 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, know, you can look at the evidence. Yeah. And it's like the other person will probably intellectually engage with that. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's a good point. Like, you know, those are comorbid or yeah. like. But that's the problem. It's like if you propose a competing hypothesis, then they will intellectually engage and then you might be shown to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have thought a lot about that. Oh, no. <laughs> I think about it all the time. This is the classic. I mean, this is how many, like in, in environmental science, this is how often industry kind of goes after people and goes after the science. They say they don't propose their own hypothesis. They just say it's not true, right? Yeah. This is almost like the reproducibility stuff you're talking about where it's just like, oh, well, it's not reproducible, so it might be wrong. It's just like a way of sowing doubt without. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, but getting back to the uh, actually, I do have a thought about correlation versus causation. Mm-hmm. I think most of the time when people say correlation is not causation, especially in a kind of casual way, mm-hmm. I, I think what they really mean is that you can't infer causation from a single study. Yeah. Right. Because usually I think it's you're like right. yeah. Like the setup is usually like there's a newspaper story about one paper on like a whatever topic yeah i was gonna say it's usually the media yeah yeah and then the response is well correlation isn't causation yeah it's like oh eating grapefruit lowers your chance of breast cancer right like, something like yeah. that yeah mm-hmm. and i think what they mean to say is that you can't infer correl- causation from a single study yeah but i guess that doesn't have quite the same ring to it you know yeah and like it well and i think there's like in that context there's a sense that like you might be being scammed like so it's kind of like don't go out and buy grapefruit just yet (laughs) even though we just wrote like a 700 word article on it yeah exactly like it's um well and it's funny because like with that context like i mean with that context you have the advantage of like you're usually not engaging directly with a reporter right but then in some ways, that's a disadvantage because it's like, it's not like they're not people involved. Or, you know, like the scientists who did the study or, you know, like it's, they're still people. They're just like one step removed. So you're like more emboldened to be confrontational. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and also usually the scientists aren't happy with how the press covers it. So it's like, I mean, I think even within journalism, I mean, this is something for Regina Nuzzo. It's like, I can see how it's like, journalists probably aren't even agreed in agreement that like you should publish you should like publish these stories right yeah i think that's true i mean i don't think there's a universal like i thought about like what should or shouldn't be done but i I just don't understand why i mean i guess i I I find that news stories have gotten better about saying this is just one study and you have to look at all the evidence etc yeah they've gotten way better at that i think just from what i've read um so Maybe I think I think maybe things are changing, but I think the correlation versus causation this thing is I think a red herring. I think it's it's usually not they don't that's not exactly they're not talking about like Pearson correlation coefficients, you know. Yeah, they're, right, they're right. About like, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Well it's also like I think it's also it comes in and this I mean, I, I imagine the reason this comment came she was kinda like, Yeah, it's kinda like subtweeting something and I didn't even like look at what it was like I didn't even know what the subtweet was for but it was like the um like it's coming up a lot right now because of face masks and like all these other things that we just can't do controlled trials on because like we're in a we're in a crisis like we can't just 
be like, mm, let's wait until we hit our, you know, 95% like certainty level or whatever, you know, like however like doctors talk about this. But it's just like, so like with the grapefruit thing, there's also like a big question of like, okay, well, if it's a cheap intervention and we see a correlation, like why not, you know, like take the roll of the dice there. Like it's the cost of people like wearing face masks is not super high. Yeah. And I think there's a conflation here of evidence and like decision making. Right. Which yep, is exactly, which is, which is usually, uh, the, pr- I, I find is often the problem. People put those things together and they yeah. want the scientists to be like, what's my decision. Yep. Right. And, yeah. and that's not their job. Right. Yeah. And actually, I mean, and that's where it is a negotiation again. Cause like you're, like the assumption is that you're kind of engaged in a principled negotiation with the world of like, okay, if there's scientific evidence, then I do it. Right. And so instead of being like, okay, like let's align on, you know, the principles with which we negotiate and then we like gather facts, but then it, so it's like another way of like sowing doubt on the facts of like, okay, well it's like, and, and again, like, So that's one way of getting to the decision you want, which is, like, to not wear masks or something. (laughs) But then it's, like, more honest to be, like, fine, even if masks do have a positive impact, like, this is, like, you know, still extreme or, you know, it's a lot to ask people. Like, I do think there are arguments you could make against masks that, like, would at least be like logical, you know what I mean? Like, no, I, I think there are totally logical arguments. I don't agree with them, right? Let's I know, yeah, same. But they, it's not like they're illogical. <laughs> like asking everyone to spend like five to ten dollars on a mask, like it, that is like a burden, you know, like that's not nothing. Um, and like obviously, there's programs for getting like disadvantaged people's masks, but like that. That's not like what's the and like so many people lost their jobs, can't make rent. Like I, that's like a thing, right? Um, so yeah, there is like a lot of negotiation of like the value of a life and, you know, there's, there's a lot going on with these like policies, but like debating like whether or not you should have a controlled trial to me is just, yeah, it's like, and this is just my pet peeve with the field as discussed a Which lot, field? but statistics. All statistics? Okay. <laughs> I mean, almost like science, you know, where it's just like, people use this like intellectual cover and maybe aren't aware of or at least don't acknowledge like their kind of I don't want to say ulterior motives because I don't think it's that clear but like you know kind of like the emotions that are driving their skepticism right and by having the like intellectual verbiage it obscures that even more and I think it gets people really caught where it's like ooh like you have to debate statistics versus like being able to zoom out and be like, okay, let's assume you're true. Like what's the outcome? Like what outcome do you want from this discussion? Um, and I found that if I do that, people don't like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I can't say that it's like a good way of going about the world, but I, I guess I actually kind of assume I've definitely done it at work and been like, Ooh, shouldn't have done that. Cause like, I kind of assume that, people would like have a genuine moment of reflection 
but I think it just like really rubs people the wrong way. So, and, and just so I can be clear here, are you are you you're referring to just the idea that there are like other factors that play a role besides the scientific evidence? Yeah, like what's your intention with like bringing up the skepticism right now? Like, I see. do you think? And it's like I mean, kind of like I mean, this happened. I'm thinking of a specific incident where it's like a little bit public, right? Which was a bad call on my part. And then in privately following up with people, it's like they had tons of skepticism, and they were like, "Yeah, like I think this is bad, and like their jobs were going to change because of it." So it's like, and that's what really bothers me because I'm just like, okay, you had so much else going on that like, I don't think it made sense to have this like public science discussion. When, like, and it was kind of, like, executive decisions. So it's like, listen, I don't know. Like, maybe you don't agree with how the executives made this decision. But it's, like, it's done. And, like, <laughs> what what's the point of, like, debating it now? Like, that won't change the, deci- the decisions that made, like, months ago, you know. So it's a little, like, but, yeah, like I said, I think that just culturally within, like, scientist groups, like, is not... I think it probably feels, like, unfair for a lot of people to kind of, like, shift the conversation like that. And, again, like, especially if you're in public, like, <laughs> don't recommend that. But I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm – I think it just takes a degree of, like, having done it in the past and being like, oh, you're right. I Like, I think I am motivated by X, Y, Z. And, you know, it's like – that's hard. Well, I think that's – the thing that's ch- it's very – challenging now and maybe unique uh is in terms of like the public sphere like i think scientists are generally kind of encouraged to be out there kind of communicating their science right Uh, at least at least that's been the trend that i've observed and i don't think that's inherently bad but there is i mean i think some scientists have difficulty kind of seeing the the fact that there are other factors there are other kind of non-science factors involved in making any decision right right and yeah. or even if they do see those other factors they don't think they carry any weight right yeah and i think that's something like i have personally shifted on that and i think sometimes i lose sight of like what like i kind of assume everyone like came with me you know and that sounds condescending because i'm not saying it's like like more evolved or whatever you know I guess I kind of am saying (laughs) but it's just like I don't know I think I have trouble remembering like what it was like when I did believe you know I did like organize the world in a different way and then also like need to be humble that like there's other people who organize the world in a different way that like you know if I understood it I would want to get to or you know what I mean like like, it, I do want to get to a place where when I engage with people, I don't make them defensive, you know, regardless of whether or not I agree with them, you know. Yeah, so there's a, it's, there's a lot going on, basically. Well, and I think that's, like, that's all one thing. But then on top of that, you have, like, you know, like a government and an administration that totally dismisses science, right? Oh, my God. And so yeah. now we're in a place, at least at a broad scale, where there's, like, there's no trust whatsoever, right? Yeah, that's a good point. And that is challenge right because that puts people like i think if you're in an environment or like at work or wherever where like there's kind of a mutual trust right then that's in a very different that's a very different kind of i think your behavior and i think the way that you act would be very different than in a place where you have like total distrust right you know and i think that's where we are in a in the kind of at the national level i think and so it doesn't help 
matters. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right. Like that it's, it's hard to even wrap your head around what it would be like if we had competent leadership. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So that's all I have. That, I, don't know. I, I don't have any like grand conclusion, but I think that, um, it's very, it's it, the whole situation for science and for scientists is very challenging, I think. And I think yeah. there is a, dis so I think people want to bring science to the fore because it's being dismissed, you know, by the government. But on the other hand, you know, I don't know. It's just. Yeah. And you're right. I've actually, I found that I have a lot of trouble wrapping my head around like all the different responses to the situation right now where like, you know, I've had like my skirmishes and across the board people will be like oh yeah i mean things are heightened right now like you know makes sense that people are like getting into more fights or whatever and it's still it's like it even though i understand that intellectually it's still hard for me to totally parse that and put myself in other people's shoes and have like the visibility for myself of like oh yeah i'm more elevated right now than usual because of this lack of trust right yeah i guess it's just a really new situation like i have never distrusted leadership the way that i do right now you know yeah yeah. And it's taken years even since the election to like be able to pinpoint what's even going on. Like now I feel like I have a pretty good like handle on like, you know, it's like I, I think early on someone said this is like Josh Marshall, the, the person I follow, like one of the like news people I follow, who was like, oh, my wife's a, like a psychiatrist and this is just like living with an abuser right now, like the gaslighting and, you know, like someone who's like stirring you up because they like drama or you know like all of that and um it's taking me a while but now I feel like I have like an my own personal organizing principle of like what's happening and why and like it just helps me get out of things where it's like oh yeah like this is like bully gaslighting like step away you know it's like it like I don't get as hooked by it anymore and like try to be like what are you saying like this isn't true it's just like okay I know that you are saying something that is not true yeah <laughs> like this is your mo and that's like how and it's not going to change and it's just literally how you've operated yeah and so ugh, not good but it is uh yeah, it's not good, but it feels more manageable. But then I don't know. At some point, then it's like more you feel more placated too, where you're just like, "Well, this is what it is." Well, I think it's kind of like you have to get that, to that place, but you also you can't abandon any sort of like there still needs to be a long term plan to like make changes, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't just be like, "Okay, this is the new normal," and like it'll keep going this way. It's like this is the new normal for now, but like. You still it's like I mean this is like a very zen thing it's like you have to like have acceptance but not this is like something people struggle with because like it's like oh, I was being totally zen like you just never try to change anything you just have to accept the situation it's like no no you need to do what the moment calls for but you still have to like kind of detach from outcome or like feel acceptance of the current situation um versus like you can't be like swimming upstream and being like, this has to change. I think for so long with this administration, it was like, this has to change tomorrow. And like, oh, we're going to point this out and it's finally going to make a difference. You know, like the number of times that it was like, oh, this will, this is like, we got him. Like there's John yeah. Oliver had the big like button, you know, like, right. we got him. 
And then and then he changed it. I thought this was brilliant. He changed it to he got us. Right. Like yeah. yeah, it's like it's like he did something dumb. He got us. Like we fell for this antic and yeah. Anyway. Um getting, getting political today. Yeah, what happened? Well, it's just like cuz science all of a sudden got super politicized and like Yeah. Yeah. I follow I really follow and trust Caitlin Rivers on Twitter. Do you follow her at all? Uh, no, I do not. She's Hopkins professor. Yeah, she is. She's like Hopkins Health Security. She works at the Center for Health Security. Yeah, what? I think we've even talked about this before, but like, what is that exactly? You know, I have like I have a confession to make. Like <laughs> before the pandemic, I had never heard of the center. And it's I like, haven't either. It's probably and in it's, my building somewhere. Like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's like clearly even the Twitter handle is like jhsph. Yeah. underscore ch <laughs> yeah i mean i i feel horrible but like i honestly like i didn't know what the center was but is it it must be new then i think i don't know how new it is but i think they just they work on this kind of like a, literally this kind of stuff like pandemics and prep, you know uh preparation and kind of that kind of stuff yeah no but i'm surprised too i have the same feeling as you where i'm like wait a minute i was there for five years it's not like that big of a building like, right yeah <laughs> and like and like surely they give talks and stuff you know it's just weird um yeah i wonder if maybe they kind of went by a different name before but change and then changed the name i don't know but well it definitely seems like it's an epidemiology yeah like i wonder if it's a subset of the epi department yeah well yeah it's i mean i think the faculty are from all over but um because mm. the way that these centers work is that they're kind of cross-departmental so yeah yeah anyway it's so fun i'm i'm looking at um i was like maybe the website will help and it does not at all <laughs> uh but i um oh art history perfect but i was looking at caitlin's bio and i feel like this is like a theme of me liking how like like organized and clear military people are because she's like prior to joining the center dr rivers worked for two years as a civilian epidemiologist at the army public health center oh, yeah. i'm like oh, yep that makes sense <laughs> 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 but yeah she um she's been great i really appreciate her her tweets um and she brings in this nuance of like oh okay like like she had a really good tweet the other day that like i was kind of chuckling that it just didn't get that much action because it's like a lot of uncertainty but she basically was like i mean the punchline i'm just reading the tweet directly she's like but if you are feeling frustrated by mixed messages about masks back in spring and beaches and protests more recently, it's because there is no public health expert messaging alignment committee. We're all just out here doing our own best. Right. Um, and I think that's like such an important message of like, and it's kind of funny because even like her saying that out loud, I was like, oh, right. You know, even though that's like totally logical. Yeah. I It's still funny because you think of public health as like, Every time I hear something, it should be the same message and it should make sense. And like, well, it's like it's one of those things. I was like, yeah, it, it would be great to have a public health message alignment committee if we had uh, like an administration that we could even remotely trust. Right. You're oh, you're right. And she actually like she even says that explicitly. She's like. Um, it is institutions, e.g. CDC, that coordinate the messages of the people who speak on their behalf so everything is clear, consistent, and trusted. We haven't been able to hear from them as much as we would all like, and so that has left a gap. <laughs> I 
That's like a really good example of her like like treading lightly on like a political statement, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is yeah, it's like uh, it's great to have centralized power and messaging except when it's not, right? Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. It's <laughs> that's a good way but like yeah, it can go too far and that's obviously like the whole history of this country, right? Yeah. But right now we're definitely seeing the downside of like <laughs> um yeah yeah it's it's a shame and it's like it's just like it does make you appreciate someone had a really funny tweet about like who were the people who were responsible for like the public health thing about those like soda you know those like soda plastic holder things that were in the 90s they're like little circles oh like like for the six packs yeah yeah it was like a six pack and it was kind of like i don't know like plastic holder with yeah. like circles and it's like everyone knows those are bad right they're bad for the <laughs> and they're, they're just kind of like can we get that person on the job for the public health messaging like they killed it like everyone knows those things are awful right like globally like not even yeah. just the united states like it's around the world yeah yeah, and it's just like, I mean, I think that one was kind of, like, easier because it's, like, you have, like, pictures of cute animals right. with them around there. Yeah, it's just like, oh, like, and um, and it was an easy intervention where it's just like, okay, like, pull them apart. And it was almost, like, kind of fun to pull them apart, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I think, like, all of that meant that it was pretty easy to implement versus wearing masks. I mean, I think we're doing a good job now of, like, making mask wearing, like, kind of more fun. And um, kind of normal. Yeah, it's I I was thinking about this. I was like, I bet I will wear masks like forever. Like I like when I'm on public transit or something. Yeah, you think it's uh cuz it's not like it from a at least from a health perspective is there's no downside, right? Yeah, there's no downside and like kind of only upside. I would feel better if like everyone were wearing masks in public transit. And it's just like I feel like this generation, like everyone, is just going to be more. Although I guess after 1918, people weren't wearing masks after. But like, you know, now that we have like fast fashion and like global economy, like there's so many more like pretty masks or like you know like, like they're pretty nice to wear. Um, all things considered, so I just feel like it's going to be kind of a lifelong habit of like, kind of like not like. If the cost is low to do it, like things like not touching the little keypad or I think I was talking about this in another, but like carrying around my little pen that I use instead of shared pens. Like I just feel like habits like that aren't going to go away ever. Really? That's my feeling right now. <laughs> okay. Um, but it's like we're so in the middle of it. I think we're they've already got away. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, well, yes, I guess I've been. I someone was mentioning, um, someone I work with who like drove to Portland or something. Um, just like San Francisco is such a hub of everyone following the rules, you know? Yeah. And so I really am experiencing like you go out, everyone's wearing a mask. It's like weird if someone's not wearing a mask, everyone's wearing one, and like it. Yeah, you just have like the like like the stores are so careful. It'll be like if you use if you have to use the keypad, they'll like wash it right after between every person. Oh, I mean that's like, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you that is not happening <laughs> outside. Of From like... what I understand, it's like uh, it's a even within California, it's like a hub, um, and so it's 
Yeah. So you're right. Maybe it won't persist and I'll be the weirdo. But like I'm used to being the weirdo. So yeah. Yeah. I was wearing masks before. I had people straight up staring at me. Like not even just like a little bit like staring when I was wearing a mask in like March. Yeah. And I was just like, what's wrong with you? Like we're in a pandemic. You should carry on as yourself. I already owned a mask from 2016. So I was ready. I wore them (laughs) on planes. Ah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> I would wait till I got on the plane. Like it was like a thing I would wear, in part to like keep my lips from getting chapped and stuff. I see. Yeah, multi-use, anyway. yep. or multi-purpose, I should say. Anyway, did you have other topics? I, uh, you know, I did. Well, okay. First of all, I have some important co- coffee follow-up. Oh yeah, I actually do too. Oh so really? Okay. Know. Yeah. This is this is actually so. I um. Do you remember many episodes ago? when i told you to just just get like an espresso machine yeah and you were like no i'm not getting one because you're you saw your friend like lugging her espresso machine through the subway in new york city because it had to be repaired yeah like to the to the bronx like from brooklyn that's like two hours on the subway it's horrible and there's no like shortcut that was what was so exhausting about new york it's not like you could like get a cab and it would be faster no it would know? be slower <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly so so, so that day on. has arrived for me <laughs> i should like yeah that's uh, a going savor the moment <laughs> that's funny so the our machine lasted a solid two years <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> but look, like it was a little less than two years, which is good news because it's still under warranty. Oh, um, that's a good point. It yeah. actually worked, but like there was something funky about the electricity, and it kept like tripping the breaker. Oh, um, that's horrible! So like your whole like house's electricity would turn off. Oh no, just like that circuit, you know. Oh, but still. Yeah. So the, you know these outlets that we have, they have this like it's called the GFI switch. So it just trips the switch and it cuts all electricity, but just for that outlet. So oh, okay, um, yeah, yeah. So um, but we had to keep like resetting it, and it was obviously something wrong. So uh, we had to send it back, and uh, we're out the machine for like a couple of weeks now. But fortunately, you have that little milk pot. So <laughs> well, I've been using the Aeropress now. I imagine. Yes, yeah. and uh, I'm now I'm down here with you. You know, it's yeah it's uh, it's not it's not as nice i have to say no it's not <laughs> so you still prefer like the finickiness of the espresso machine over like a morning arrow press yeah yeah well now that i've had like a solid you know week and a half to compare uh, to on just on the arrow press i do find that the, the machine just produces a stronger brew like it's just yeah. more more flavor and stronger yep yeah I I can totally see that. Yeah. I Yeah, well, I I have two pieces of follow up um on that line. One of them which could be actionable for you, although I'm not sure, which we kind of talked about offline, but I've been doing this like cold brew method with the AeroPress. Yeah. And so I finally figured out I was making a mistake cuz I was leaving the plunger in. So and he, oh. like so the idea is that you like essentially use the AeroPress like a almost like just a like a pour over filter situation so you take like the bigger barrel and like add the add the bottom in the filter put it over a cup add the grounds and then add some cold water and like stir it and then just let it slowly drip out 
Oh, but if you leave the flood grid, nothing comes out. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I was like doing my typical kind of like, oh, I just set the whole thing up with the plunger and then I like flip it over. So that was a mistake. I was like, why isn't it coming out? Like I, I was like trying all sorts of things, like iterating with the guy that told me about it. And like finally I was like, oh my God, I'm an idiot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah. But I have to say that, like, even though it makes really smooth coffee and, like, it totally makes sense, like, it it solves my problem. It solves both my problems because my issue with the plastic was as much that it was, like, hot water with the plastic, which makes plastic degrade way faster versus, like, cold water with plastics. Like, I'm way more okay with that. Um, And then it also solves the press issue because, like, you wake up and it's already kind of, like, dripped through and you just, like, pour it in. But I think that my issue with it, it's, like, totally working, but it doesn't make me happy. And I actually think, like, the aromas of, like, making a hot coffee is, like, part of the fun of having a morning cup of coffee. That's a great point, actually, because the heat and the the steam, you know, just spreads those aromas more, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember seeing a tweet once where someone was like, it was some like, oh, 40% of the flavor comes from like the smell and like, is the coffee thing just like an aroma? People are in aromatherapy. Um, (laughs) And I'm like, I buy it. Like, (laughs) because yeah, there's just something about it that isn't as satisfying. And like, it was harder to get it hot enough, like with the latte and the milk. And like today I just tried putting the, like the, the mixture of the coffee and the milk in the milk heater and it's like, okay, it worked, but it's still like, there's something less fun about it. So I, I have no answers except for my emotional reaction. (laughs) Well, that's, you know, that's really what matters. But you could also try the cold brew method. Like I just, I don't, I'm not, I don't know, cold coffee, this, you have to heat it up. But then I think that changes. Like microwaving coffee, I think, changes the molecular structure. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, yeah that's, I know. But and also I just, you know, for me, it's just about making it in the morning, you know, like. I like yeah, it. no, exactly. Like the ritual is part of the fun. Yeah. And the fussier, the better. It's like over. It's an engineering. It's an engineering solution. Yeah. The other news that like I feel a little self-conscious even talking about it is that um, like. Who's that guy? James Hoffman, right? On YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. So he's like this barista who like has a YouTube channel that is like really engaging. And he's just, he's exactly who you want telling you about coffee because he's like so precise and pulled together, you know? Like his hair is always perfectly combed. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. He's got this like kind of like, what do you call it? The coif? Pompadour. Pompadour. Yeah. Anyway, it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah. And he, um, and so he reviewed this this device that's like essentially like a a super mocha pot, right? And yes, I didn't see that actually. Yeah, it's called Nine Barista, and it's like hard to even. I legitimately like could not understand. Like he kind of like described everything that it does, which with like kind of amazing fluency, and I was just like, I cannot compute the words that you were saying. Like, <laughs> I, like there's like a very complex system of all metal parts, like machined parts that like somehow mean that when you put it on the stovetop, it gets to nine bars of pressure. And like espresso, essentially, like real espresso comes out the top. Okay. 
So, like, your user experience is that you pour in water. It's like a mocha pot. You pour in water at the bottom. You put ground somewhere, and, like, espresso comes out at the top. Wow, but okay. What's going on, like, it, but the difference is that it generates nine bars of pressure, which is like how much you need for a true, a true shot. Yeah. So, like, a true shot of espresso comes out of the top, not like mocha pot shot. Right, right. And so, I do not understand the mechanism by which this happens, but it is highly complex. <laughs> like, there's like cooling elements. You have to like put a water bath. So, I guess it's not quite as simple because you have to like, you have to add the water for brewing and then a separate water bath for cooling it as it comes out of this like nine bars of pressure okay so like the water comes out obviously like hyper hot and it has to like cool off before it makes it to the shot oh okay or like it has to cool off after it comes through the shot but as it's coming out the top so they anyway it's very complicated There's like there's like little discs involved. It it's I can't even like when you look at the inside, it's like oh my god, what's going on? What's but the thing called again? Nine barista. Oh, okay. And so it's like multiple people ping me about it. So he like came out. It was clear that like these people watch the James Hoffman like channel or or you know heard about it that way because it's like multiple people are like have you seen this? Yeah. And it was so exactly what I describe myself wanting that i got it oh (laughs) wait is it actually for sale it's for pre-order so i don't Uh, have it yet but it was like quite expensive which is why i'm like self-conscious talking about it but it's just like i felt like almost a duty to the listeners at this point like because i kind of like put my i planted my flag of like what i wanted and like this is it it's like like no moving parts like yeah all metal all metal will last a lifetime you know makes a true espresso and you it's wait is it electric is that or no it's It's like that's the the thing it's all on the stove and somehow oh my god because of the internal like way it's made it can generate the nine bars of pressure okay yeah and cool it off appropriately it's i mean this, i think the guy was like a nasa engineer or something like i'm looking at the cross-section of it that it's like this yeah, is bonkers it's like it's bonkers so it's still so cheap, cheaper than like a regular espresso machine though so. well that's it i was like you know what like i don't know i i'm just always striving so how was the review of it oh the review was like stellar like he was like oh i have to give this away because my patreon like i think his deal is that he buys stuff with patreon dollars and then he like sends it to a random supporter yeah Yeah. so that he can have like a truly unbiased and he was like i'm sad to send this away like (laughs) and he was like i mean he kind of was like oh it's a little under extracted but i actually think that's my fault like he he was like he was basically like this is a a good shot of espresso there's a few things i would do differently but like that's not an issue and he had he had an issue about like oh yeah this like the way it screws in is a little loose for like my liking but like his criticisms were so mild it was like (laughs) oh it'd be nice if it was a little bit of a tighter like clink when you like put it together and then I may need to do this a few times before he he also said like you'll need there will be a learning curve because you have to figure out like how to make it go slow enough so like figuring out the right heat and stuff but it's uh like i said it was exactly what i said i wanted so 
Wow, I cannot wait for you to get this thing. <laughs> Me too. It's supposed to come like late July, early August. Oh, we'll okay. See. All right. It's shipping from the UK, so that adds some. I guess he wasn't a NASA engineer then. He's like some sort of engineer. Yeah, like some sort of serious engineer. Hey, maybe they listen to the podcast. They're like, this is what Hillary needs. Yeah, he was like, I'm doing it. I'm going to solve Hillary's problem. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I would have gotten one if that were the case. This is, yeah, okay. I think it seems like what it, it builds up steam up until like it reaches the right pressure and then it releases it. Yeah, but I don't understand the mechanism by which that happens. It seems like the steam like is, it basically stores energy in like a spring. Um, and then the once there's enough like energy stored in the spring, it like releases it and then that pushes the water through. You're right. And they talked about the spring is like the one thing you might need to replace. Yeah, I think like truly old fashioned, like like super, super old fashioned espresso machines use a spring, basically. I um, see. And okay. then and they would use the wa- similarly use the water to kind of like build up the pressure. Um, yeah. But then I guess the water has to cool because it maybe because the pressure makes it too hot. Or I don't know. But yeah, I think the yeah. water has to cool. It's cooled from 179 degrees Celsius to 100. Yeah. Although I, I guess I don't know why that's necessary aside from like. It's too hot. That 179 is too hot. Like the coffee will come out bitter. Oh, I see. I see. So somehow the pressure is maintained, but not the heat. Right, but not the yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not sure I understand. There's that, like but... physics and ideal gas law type stuff going on <laughs> <laughs> that I don't really understand. So. Yeah, I definitely recommend people look at the diagram of this. Like, <laughs> I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, here. it's like it's intense. <laughs> Like, this is someone who thought too hard about it. Right. But then they know that, like, there's people like me out there. But you know what the, the thing is, though? I feel like I've seen a hundred websites just like this one. Yeah. And 100% of them have been a failure. So that's why, like, I'm skeptical. You know, like, well, it- no, I totally agree. And I've seen Kickstarters for stuff like the. I saw a Kickstarter for something that, like, you could, it was essentially like an AeroPress, but it had the internal mechanism by which you could press normally, but it would generate a bunch of, like, somehow it would generate way more pressure with that energy. And so I agree that I'm skeptical of this, but he already reviewed it. That's why I jumped on it, because I was like, oh, this isn't like a Kickstarter for, like, maybe one day. It's right. like, they're yeah. shipping these, like, it's, you know. Yeah, so. so this might have the best chance of all the devices I've seen. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's intense. So. <laughs> I can't. My heart almost dropped when I saw it because it was just like kind of like, oh, I am obligated. Like it's <laughs> there's no like debate here as to what I have no argument against it. So right, yeah, it happened. You know, I did have a topic I wanted to talk about. Yeah, should we get to actual... You kind of interspersed. Now no one could escape the coffee talk. That's true, yeah. yeah <laughs> we went from correlation to causation to coffee, yeah. Yeah, and now back. <laughs> so what did you want to talk about? I this I don't know how I thought of this last week, but I was thinking... I was wondering if... I think... Uh, let me see if I can actually say this in a, a way that's like coherent. I was wondering if pe- if you thought that people have when they analyze data, do they have a do people have a data analytics style? Yes. And if so, what is what is well? I guess the, there's two questions. It's kind of like what is style in general, and then what is like a data analytics style? And since you work at a fashion company, I thought this is a good question for you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I like that. I um, I, I, I guess that what popped into my head immediately was like how much they lean on graphs versus tables. You think that's the only thing that determines someone's like data analytics style? I don't think that, but I think I mean I think there's two layers. There's like what models are they using? And I mean the Bayesian frequentist is the easy example of like you could think of those as two different styles really. Yeah. This kind of like I think and I think another way to say the Bayesian frequentist thing is kind of like do you do you do you kind of take the approach of like everything is kind of wrapped up in one big model or do you kind of like piece things together? Like bit by yeah. bit. Yeah. And I'm definitely which is, the latter. Which I feel like is, yeah. 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 And then I also think though, yeah, like the visual like how you design the like how you design the narrative is also a big part of it, right? Like and that's where you get into uh, how do you present it? How do you expect the audience to take it? How do you you know, like, like again, like, how do you present the graphs? What I mean, the graph style really is a thing, though. Like, I can, I can definitely see graphs and be like, that's totally this person, you know. Like in terms of just, just the plot itself, right? Like, not yeah, yeah. Like they have their like little GG plot settings that they really care about, and you know, like I've seen. I mean, you can tell people iterate because it's like, oh yeah, this confidence interval is like was shading. It's like the bold part and then the like kind of grayed out part if it's like not significant or you know what I mean like it's so there's kind of like stylistic things like that um and you can tell how much people how much effort people put in versus other people it's just like all defaults which is more me I just like kind of don't yeah even though I appreciate the good stuff I just like have no patience for it basically (laughs) right yeah and then uh, I guess I feel like the ROI is not that big um, right. And you figure imp- important people, knowledgeable people have worked on these defaults. Yeah, exactly. Um, although, I mean, when I see the better ones, then I look at mine and I'm like, eh, I, like I like the better <laughs> one. But then I just don't care enough to change. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting a little sense of your style now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's the only way I know how to talk about it. Like, what's it like for me? But, um, so yeah, I would say there's a lot of style. I mean, I feel like that's kind of the theme of our podcast to some degree is like, there's so much subjectivity and yeah, I think people get into ruts. Like, I think you just have to like have your kind of default way of operating. Yeah. And I, but the question is whether it's distinguishable, right? Um, like, you know, if you, I'm trying to think of the like an analogy. And so like, if you were to. You know, if you listen to Mozart versus Beethoven, right? You can tell if you listen to enough pieces, and you could train yourself to kind of tell the difference. I yeah, think, totally. Right? Now, there's more. They were living in different times, and you know, there's a lot of differences, obviously. But um, it's. I wonder if, like, could you? Because I've always often tried to. Th- I've tried. I've thought about this as like a potential classroom exercise. Is like, could you learn someone's style i think maybe we've even talked about this before but now i can't remember like could you read someone like 10 of someone's data analyses and be like okay this is how they analyze yeah i think you could and actually i mean i think the exercise which we did talk about is like i think what would be easiest to start with is different journals or different fields where it's like oh yeah epidemiologists always have table one you know yeah, and so, like, if you took a paper and you kind of, like, lorem ipsumed all the text, 
but you left in the graphs and the tables and again like kind of like scrambled what they actually said I think that you could pretty easily be like this is an epidemiologist versus this is like a biostatistician versus a computer scientist yeah and there is a little bit of a feedback loop there because I think I mean if you read a journal article often the journal demands that you follow a certain kind of format right? yeah that's a good point yeah but on the other hand i think a lot of people maybe analyzed it in a certain way because they're used to being demanded of you know that format you mm -hmm. know what i mean it's like it kind of feeds back into their thinking absolutely yeah yeah i think so and then but then the other thing is like also people have a writing style you know like i definitely have a way of phrasing things and a way of like like, I'm just someone who, like, tries to simplify stuff absolutely as much as possible. Um, and it definitely gets me into hot water sometimes because I think that, it, like, the, sometimes the posturing helps, right? <laughs> to use, like, yeah. super fancy words with some people. And I just, like, I just literally don't think that way. Like, in my head, it's simple. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So I um, I write that way, too. So that's another place where the style comes out, which you couldn't do with the lorem ipsum, obviously. But, yeah. So, yeah, I think, I mean, in some ways it would be valuable to do that with students, like, especially with the journals, just to be, like, that would be a fairly objective thing where it's, like, okay, these these articles don't stand alone like there's context for them and like the graphs look this way because of these pressures or you know what I mean like I think that that would be valuable in and of itself um for communicating that like yeah just that like the choices you make in these like I guess what I'm trying to like what I'm thinking of that it would like kind of quote unquote solve for, st for students is just like, don't take a, don't take a paper as like the big T truth and like try to replicate it. You know, like there's, there's a lot of like external pressures on it. Um, and so you can better distill out like what's due to like trying to stylistically match the journal versus what's like, you know, the, the insight. Yeah, I um, I just you know I think one of the problems is that for one, it's it, well if we're reading papers, it's often hard to know like who did the analysis, you know, and so like if 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 a paper has like five authors, like you you don't know that oh this is so and so's style. Well, I was know? thinking about that because it's like could you figure out who the primary author is based on. Like who actually wrote the paper? <laughs> I mean, you could make an inference, or I mean, right? But like, it's hard to you. I mean, you know, it could be multiple people, and then it's like there's no one person. But, um, but uh, I, I don't know. So I just think that the information usually that you would need to kind of determine this is not publicly available, um, and never, you know, it's like you have to observe it firsthand. Right. right? Yeah. Like the only reason I know how certain people analyze data is because I ob observed it firsthand. You know? Oh, okay. So you're saying you think there is style. I, I do think so. And I can't, I haven't quite put my finger on like, what are the elements of it? You know? Um, and, uh, but I think the approach to modeling is a big one and, and like, definitely. And what the role of models is in the data analysis. Um, but and then I guess there are all there are more other like kind of how people like stylistic things in terms of plots, uh, like you said. Um, but then I don't know. Like some people, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> I mean, people have to have these, like, cookbooks in their head to some degree, right? Where it's like, I always start with this. Or, like, I, I just, like... And you can probably see people evolve over time where it's like, this is where they discovered, you know, like how to change default settings or, you know, like you can probably see like them grow their repertoire over time of like, oh, I decided to always include this number or like, I mean, how else would people operate? There's no like, I mean, the, the alternative is that people come up with like a totally new way of working every paper and that just like cannot happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not like people – rather, the opposite would be like everyone just kind of does it the same way, which doesn't seem – it also doesn't seem plausible, right? I mean – but I guess the – I mean, for me, I feel like the the way to teach people to analyze data, I feel like – like I feel like what we do now is like we just get them analyzing data, right? And and then we kind of, you know, guide them along the way. But I feel like the the thing to do at first would be like look at how these people analyze data, like figure out – what their style is Absolutely. and then try to mimic it. Right. And we, we have talked about this because I feel like I had my brilliant idea of like, can you like have a course over like nine months where once a month you're focusing on a different field and then you have them write in that style. Like you have them like read a bunch of epi papers and then do an analysis in the style of an epidemiologist and then you have them move to like data science or, you know, like you have them move from field to field and then kind of like mimic. I think you brought it up as like music is trained. You train that way. Yeah. 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 Where yeah you that like, is how you. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of like mimic or I don't know. Mimic's probably not the right word, but you kind of like write something in the style of X, Y, Z. And... Right. Yeah. OK. Yeah. We did talk about this. This is coming to. <laughs> <laughs> So no, I mean, just... I think it's a different angle, though, because like, we are in that case, we are constrained on field, whereas this is like your personal style. And like and I, I mean, I think it comes down to like how you parse the world, because like there's no we've talked about before too. like you your first draft of analysis is explaining it to yourself and you're like it's it's hard to like totally get away from that. And so I do, like, write my papers and, like, you know, I mean, I wrote my papers in, like, kind of simple language or, you know, because it's just, like, that's how it is in my head. And I believe that that's how to make it, like, accessible to people, you know. But, um, and it would just, even though, like, as a, I mean, I guess this is, like, design versus art where it's, like, you can take feedback and change the style based on that feedback. You could user research your papers to the point where it's like your personal style doesn't come through, but that would be so draining. I mean, yeah, yeah. It would just be so much work for every single time versus like every time I would write, every time I write, I'm kind of like, Hmm, like I'm so good at like explaining stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's (laughs) like when I put it out there, there's part of me that it is like, there is a sense of like this is how my brain works and like you all are gonna love that like <laughs> like it's gonna be mind blowing how brilliant my brain is you know what I mean <laughs> yeah right well I mean you kind of have to otherwise it's like there's no point of writing it you know it's like yeah exactly it's just like oh this is another thing like who cares like it's uh <laughs> but it is there's this I have a sense of like oh and it's like with the podcast and everything it's like oh because I take this certain approach and like there's posturing in the field and like this is really gonna like 
it's going to make people relieved, you know? And we hear that from feedback. It's like, it's kind of a relief to hear people not like trying to act like they know everything or, you know, and that's like unfair to, uh, I don't think like, I don't know how many people do that, but like, it's, I do have like a deep held belief that the field needs that energy, you know? Yeah. And I'm certain that some people don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. So there is, there is art. I think, I think actually this is the first discussion where I'm actually seeing like how there's art in this work. In, in what work? Like data science work. Yeah. Or statistics, you know. Yeah. Because there is like a sense of personal expression. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I just, I just, I mean, I'm struck by how I can, it, I, it's hard to separate the person from the analysis sometimes, but some, how I can see an analysis and be like, that's totally so-and-so. Like, it's so distinct. I'm really curious, like, what motivating example. Did you just, like, read a paper and you're like, that's totally Jeff or something? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, there was actually this time, unlike other times, this time there was nothing specific. Well, I'm wondering who, is it, like, your coworkers in the department or, like, who is it where you're like, this is totally this person? Well, there is a, actually an important point to make there, which is that it's only people that I know. Yeah. Right? I can I can only say that about people that I know. I think you would have to really study like the thing with Mozart and Beethoven is that like you get such tremendous exposure to them. Right. Well, they have, there's a huge amount of output. Yeah. Right? And like same with writers. Like you can totally tell like Hemingway, you know, it's a very specific style. Right. Because first of all, it's totally attributable to them. Yeah. Right? And there's a huge amount of output. And, um, and, so, the, and so there's like something to study there. Basically. Yeah. Whereas with like like science like, I mean, there's some people who have like a huge amount of output, but at some point it's like they're minions. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think once you get into the kind of team science domain, it's very hard to to separate out people's, you know, specific contributions. But but there are a lot of blogger, you know, like David Robinson. He does like the Tidy Tuesdays. Like, there's enough. There are some people that you could like quote unquote study. Um, yes. But I just think there's also, I mean, I bet there are some people out there who are listening who are like, yeah, I can totally tell when. I bet there's at least one example of someone who can identify a style when it's not someone they know personally. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to. I think if you saw, I think the only way that could work is if you saw a lot of their oral presentations. Mm. I think if you only read their papers, it would be yeah, it would be tough. I think I agree with papers. I think the examples I'm thinking of are blog posts. Like if someone has a little bit of like a freer reign, is freer reign the right analogy? Yeah, yeah. Like if they had Not like an unconstrained format. Yeah, in an unconstrained format, I think you would be able to tell style more than scientific papers. I mean, the whole point, the whole like organizing principle of science is like kind of like take the individual out. Right. Well, at least for the papers, it's like, let's standardize it so that it's like, we don't have to figure everything out every time we read a paper, right? So Yeah, and there's like kind of strict style guidelines in terms of scientific writing in general. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that is all, I think you're right. And it that's why I just found science papers so boring. boring. <laughs> yeah, I don't read them either. <laughs> 
Yeah, like a presentation, at least you kind of like get a sense of how people engage with you. And then you might go to the paper and be like, I really need details. But um, I just feel like in an oral presentation, you often get details that would never be found anywhere else. Like, oh, absolutely. You know, because yeah. like, they just say things that like they would never write down. But yeah, like, oh, we tried this first. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it didn't work. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like if you have a good presenter, especially, you know, they'll like be vulnerable about like the mistakes or like the, like, we're really lucky someone noticed this or, you know, like it's, they make it interesting. But I don't know, though, again, like, I feel like I've had a moment of noticing, I mean, some people really parse the world like highly different than me. And they, I see people get jazz about academic discussion, you know, in a way that never happened for me, where it's like, they really want to talk about like papers, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's not been me. Either. I, I was like on a panel recently, that like, someone just it was kind of like, what excites you about the future of data? And someone kind of described like, um, like, I I know there's like a way of saying it, but like explainable models, you know, like yeah. I think that's a big thing in CS. Right? We've talked about it too. And, um, and then like, like she was just kind of saying like, yeah, that, I think that's a really exciting future. And then someone like interjected like much later, you know, it was like, it's like this person like made a point of like messaging the moderator to be like, I need to say something. And then was like, Oh, there's actually this paper from this person at Stanford, like saying this, this, that it was like clear that this guy thought like he had the answer to this question. Right. And like presented it in such like a academic way of like, Oh, you should look into the research. And I was just like, wow, that, that person thinks so differently than me, you know? <laughs> and it's not invalid, you know? It's just, like, it's not how, like, I'm not, I wasn't in that conversation trying to, like, extract, like, oh, yeah, what's the state of the world, like, and, like, what is this person thinking? Like, what what research is this person aware of versus not? And are they saying research? I'm not aware. You know, I was like listening all to the, like the business stuff of like, it was super interesting. There's someone from Levi and um, the stuff that they've done data science wise in the pandemic has been so interesting um, where it's like they had to forecast when stores would reopen in Europe, you know, and like, like they had such a different like e-commerce, like not e-commerce, like they're like a real retailer and so all of their, like, production stuff, there was so much more pressure because it wasn't just, like, online shopping to, like, understand when they should hire, you know, when should they lay off, when should they hire, when should they, like, you know, restart production in, like, Europe versus in the U.S. So they had to do, like, projections of this stuff. And I was just like, wow, that's – it just struck me as, like, so hard and also really interesting. Um and so I was not jealous, but I was like, wow, that's like, they are getting leaned on hard to like keep the business afloat. And um, so that was much more what I was interested in, which again is like not, those aren't going to be like, and I kind of mentioned it when they're like, what skills do you need? And I was talking about the kind of type A analysis data scientist versus type B. And I was like, with that Levi's example, like those are bespoke analyses. You're not going to like redo them a ton you know right, it's not like yeah. you're gonna put that into production and like right. you know set up testing and like expect that to live for 20 years you know right yeah it's um 
anyway, the point was, like, I am starting to appreciate, like, how much certain people in this field, like, really are engaged with, like, what's the cutting edge? Like, what's the art? What's the state of the art? And, like, what's the newest academic concept? And, like, I'm at this panel in part to, like, understand what colleagues think the latest concepts are, and that's just so not me. Like, I want to know, I want to, like, accumulate case studies of, like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, here's how people navigate this field and how businesses leverage it and, like, how businesses fail and <laughs> what what sorts of team dysfunction exist. And, right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. All right, well... It, should we end there it's been a long episode actually i guess yeah it's been yeah because we got started like right away yeah so it's like we've been going this whole time 